Welcome to the Nonprofit Experience. I'm Sandy Sear, Managing Editor for the Philanthropy Journal. Community partnerships are vital to the work of many organizations. This week, Julie Griffin and Amy McElwain from Community Workforce Solutions sit down with Joshua Clark from Minor League Baseball's Mudcats to discuss their longtime collaboration. I'm Julie Griffin, Director of Development with Community Workforce Solutions. Amy McElwain, a Vocational Support Specialist with Community Workforce Solutions. Josh Clark, I'm the Coordinator of Food and Beverage with the Carolina Mudcats baseball team. Josh, can you tell us just a little bit about your role here at the Mudcats Stadium, how long you've been here? I started as a manager out here in the concessions department in 2015. Before that, I was a runner. I worked in the kitchen and in 2015 became the concessions manager. Uh, last year, I became the Coordinator of Food and Beverage. And Amy, you've been with our organization, Community Workforce Solutions, now for 12 years. 12 years. 12 short years. 12 very short years. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about your role in our organization and and how you and Josh work together. Um, I work with individuals with disabilities, of course, and I go to their job site and work with them on goals that we have come up with together. Um, A lot of them can be communication goals, some of them can be hygiene goals, Um, it depends on the individual. And I work hand in hand with the supervisors here, Josh and Dwayne, with asking how my guy's doing, um, what more we can do to help make him a better employee. And my role at Community Workforce Solutions has changed a little bit over the past. I've been with the nonprofit organization for 17 years. Um, but I started as an employment specialist and uh, uh, along with Amy was in the field to assist individuals with finding employment and then moved into different roles um, since that point. Now I work a lot with trying to improve some of our employment outcomes for individuals with disabilities and then also starting to develop some community-based training options as we move towards best practice for the individuals that we serve and support. Just a, a lot of a lot of different different things along the way. So do you all, Amy and Josh, when you're here, do you, do you see each other? Like when you follow up, are you in contact? Do you work on a that level? Are you communicating with each other? A lot of the time what happens is we might see each other in passing because they're very busy doing uh, what they need to do and I'm very busy working with my guy. Um, so a lot of it's in passing. Um, we try to get up with one another um, as often as we can. It doesn't maybe be once every couple of months, maybe once every three months, just depending uh, how busy the game is and how well staffed they are for the game. Yeah, we'll see each other in passing. Um, like she said, we really reach out, or they reach out to us probably once a month, maybe every three. But uh, unless there's something going on with the employee, then when we see her with them, we can get together so she can talk to him about it. So we have a day program um, for individuals who aren't necessarily looking for work and maybe have been in service for a long time. They're working on some life skills, and, and every year the Mudcats, you all offer a, a package that's um, hard to refuse, and so individuals can come out um, as a community outing and, and get to um, experience the game as anyone else would. You know, Individuals that may live at group homes that can't necessarily come out to uh, outings like this, so we really appreciate that as well. Uh, we enjoy having all all wide ranges of groups out for the for 
really our early day games, the 11 o'clock games, yep. we have a wide variety of groups. We have people from retirement homes, uh, groups with disabilities, bunch of kids from school on field trips, and it's, it's a good time for everybody involved. We hope that when we assist individuals with identifying employment here, we hope that it's a good match. Um, and so we are really, you know, we love we love to spotlight that, but also we know that the Mudcats is really invested into this local community. And can you tell us a little bit about your investment, you know, outside of Community Workforce Solutions and the relationship that we have? Can you just tell us a little bit about the Mudcats and how you invest in the community and um, different other groups that you may work with? Uh, yeah, uh, so a lot of that is done through our uh, community outreach coordinator, Cassie Tomasello. She does a great job. Uh, we have our Muddy Muddy's Buddy Book Club. Um, so Muddy will go to schools, uh, sit down with a bunch of kids. Uh, she'll read the book. He'll uh, Muddy will act it out. Um, we also try to get involved with uh, youth league baseball teams in different ways via fundraisers that they take part of, and then they get to come out on the field, uh, be out there for the national anthem, present a check with all the money they raised. Um, we just a bunch of different little things that we do. Uh, to outreach to the public. This is a, a rural area of North Carolina, so it's it's accessible through some major through one major highway. But Zebulon's not a big town. No, it's not. Um, it's got its benefits and challenges. Everyone knows who everyone is. Um, we are a little bit out of the way from people, but I think we provide a good family atmosphere for people that makes it worth the drive. So when you guys hire folks with disabilities, do you, are you looking for a certain number to hire, it just, or it's just kind of happenstance? Uh, I think it's just kind of happenstance that happens. We don't have a certain number that we're looking for. Um, I will say people with disabilities tend to be some of our better workers. We have one out here. He's a huge Mudcats fan. He wants to work with us when he grows up, gets out of school. Quite a few that we say if we had 10 more of them, we'd be in great shape. I know that the one that we've worked with and provided support on the job here, I, I made a phone call before our interview and just asked him a few questions about his experience here. And he uh, really feels like it's family. Of course, he loves the Mudcats and he's a huge baseball fan as well. Um, but he just said that it really felt like family here, that the staff uh, was more than just a job and he was happy to come in every time he could come in. Yeah. Our goal as a management staff, we want everyone to have fun. Uh, a lot of people, it's not their primary job, it's just a uh, secondary job for them to make a little extra money on the side. Um, so we don't want them to feel stressed and overworked. We want them to be able to have a good time, while at the same time we have a responsibility to our fans and to ourselves um, as a business to work hard and stay focused. Well, that's, that's definitely apparent based on our feedback, and I'm sure, Amy, you probably oh, yeah. observe that as well. Well, I've noticed that it whether the person has a disability, doesn't have a disability, they're all treated the same. Um, you guys all communicate the same with them, regardless. There's one young lady I know that works down and takes care of the carts down there that is hearing impaired. Do you guys have trouble communicating with her? No, not really. Uh, we mostly do writing with her. She's also pretty good at reading lips. But for the most part, if she has a problem, she'll, she'll get our attention. And we always have a notepad with us, whether that be to take notes on stuff that we need. Uh, a lot of times we're getting calls for various orders that need to be sent out to the stadium, so we'll have, 
we'll have a notepad on us at all times and we just use, we'll use that a lot to translate with her if we're missing a notepad we just pull up the notes phone on our phone notes app on our phone and um translate that way i know sometimes employers maybe don't feel like they can ask certain questions or hard questions you know when we're there you know one-on-one -on -one with the individual that we're working with or maybe want more information but are just too busy to ask that do you have any questions about you know who we are and what we do yeah I've always wondered uh, how y'all choose your businesses uh, that you look to for your employees uh, and what makes a good fit for your employees that's a great question and we encourage staff to really become familiar with the individuals that we work with some of the individuals will come through a vocational evaluation where we do aptitude testing where we do interest inventories where we look at uh, we might do a situational assessment where they're actually out in the community, they're not employed, but they're there for training purposes or assessment purposes so we can look at what their soft skills are, what their strengths are. We want to know, do they want to work outside? Do they want to work inside? Do they want to work, you know, at the night, weekends? How far can they travel? Also, you know, what, what are they, you know, are they really strong with math skills? Are they, and so we, we really try and get to know the individuals that we're working with, but then we also need a greater understanding of your needs because we need the employer's needs so that we can match it. And what I've really tried to work with staff on recently is we are not selling the, a person, we're selling the match. And it's not a traditional sales approach. It's that this is been mutually beneficial um, for all parties involved so you know we're really looking at the client that we're working with and then we're matching up with the employer needs so that that way you know it benefits the client they move into a position and there's less risk of failure um, it benefits the employer who doesn't have to continue to hire you know train and hire and train and hire so hopefully it benefits your pocketbook and then it allows our staff to continue to work with other individuals um, so we can keep moving on and, and just keep the flow going of individuals that are going to work. Amy, you're in the field day in and day out. Is there anything else you would add to that? A lot of it comes down to, to the participant's preference and interests. Um, I would never take, and apply, take them to somewhere to apply because I thought it was a good match. I would go off of what they would like to do. And they will tell you, a lot of them will have in mind where they would like to go to apply. And you can usually tell by talking to um, a manager when you go there, um, if right away, if they're gonna be a good fit or not, just by the reaction you get from that person. In our organization, uh, didn't start as an employment organization. It started in 1964 as an organization uh, put together by parents who had children who were exiting out of high school. And they were all children with disabilities and there weren't a lot of options for them after high school. And so when it initially started, we were really just an, a, a nonprofit that was set up to provide some in-house work training and everything was on site. But as, you know, the years um, progressed and as we moved into the 70s and the 80s, employment um, became more and more popular and supported. And so we started shifting of let's not keep everyone with disabilities inside a safe area. How about we offer the same opportunities that you and I would have? So now we start talking about employment and then, but we still can't just 
as Amy said, we just can't, you know, um, put somebody into employment that we think is a good fit. Now we've got individual choice. And so we talked a lot about individual choice and have for many, many, many years. And so we've moved from, you know, services on site, what they consider facility based to employment. And now even we as Community Workforce Solutions are shifting our, the remainder of our on site services out into the community. So that way, one, it's best practice, but we've also observed a gain in skills from individuals that are training out in the community alongside employees, you know, paid staff at, in, in different environments at in employment sites. I really respect the work y'all do. Um, I kind of have a little bit of a soft spot for it as well. Um, my girlfriend, when I first met her, she was working in y'all's field. Uh, not with your company, but a different one. But it's great work that y'all do. It's definitely rewarding. Yeah. I would... I would say on most days it's very fulfilling. <laughs> like any job, it's got its ups and downs. It's it's a very rewarding for us as well. We love seeing the joy on their faces when they're out here. They're, as I said earlier, they're always so happy to be here. They love they love baseball. They love the Mudcats. We have one who gives every July Fourth. That's our biggest event. He'll be in the kitchen giving motivational speeches, uh, getting everybody pumped up, telling us we need to be ready to work hard today. Uh, puts a smile on our faces gets us all ready to go we have another program called project search it's, it's actually an international international program ours is in raleigh at um on dorothea dix campus of the state uh, department of health and human services state offices there's another north carolina project search program there are several of them now i think 10 or 12 over at durham at duke and they did a study and they studied the morale of the of their staff in the departments where these project search interns all have disabilities, most of them intellectual disabilities, but they studied the morale and they, um, what they found is that by having the interns, they're, they're called interns um, in the project search program, uh, on site in their department, improve morale. And we really didn't have here locally that research to point to, and, and so now we can use, you know, use that as well to continue our mission but would you i mean have you experienced oh i'd say for sure um the, especially when improving morale they get here they give you a fist bump or a high five um they're smiling they're happy to see you they're happy to be here when they're at work it's their number one focus they want to make sure they're doing everything right and having a good time doing it um and like I said, we really enjoy having them out here. It's very rewarding for us to see the smiles on their faces and let them feel like they're part of the family because they are. Everybody's got a different personality, whether they have a need or they don't. Um, you said you can't always talk to one person the way you can the other. They're the same way. Uh, they all react differently to what you say. You, you could say something to them and they take it negatively, and then you got to work back and try to fix that to get them back on the same page. Or you say something, they take it right away, and they become better for it. They're just like everybody else with us, and we try to treat them the same because of that. I wanted to kind of reverse the question that you asked us a little bit earlier. Like, how do the Carolina Mudcats hire? And we know it's mostly seasonally. What are you looking for? And that helps us, um, you know, in our work to have a better understanding of what you're looking for, who you reach out to, where you go to hire. 
Uh, so when we're hiring, we will post uh, on all our social media accounts on our website. We have a job fair here usually either February or March, and we'll have probably 80 to 100 people come out. And we're just looking for people that we think would be good fits with us. Um, a lot of the times we have older people. When I say older, I'm not saying like 60s or 70s. We have some of those, but 40s and 50s, and it, they're, they go to their main job. They come out to here to get a, uh, get a little extra money in their pockets. A lot of them are teachers because uh, um, they're only working for maybe nine months. Uh, and then a lot of them don't get paid in the, offs, in the summer, I believe. Um, so they'll come here to make some extra money when they're not in school. So we have a lot of teachers and then a lot of high school kids, uh, first job kids. So it's, we do a lot of training. What's a, what's a time that you failed in your work, Josh? And um, what was it like? Basically, my as a, when I was working concessions downstairs, your failure and your success of the day is really determined from when we get here at 8.30 till 30 minutes before the gates open. Um, our job during the day downstairs is to get all the concession stands stocked, get them ready to go, make sure they have everything they need, whether it be a chargeable or non-chargeable. Basically what that means, if it's a chargeable, it's something that um, has a price to it. So basically a, a uh, chicken tender boat would be a chargeable. Um, non-chargeables are things that we don't charge for, so we're talking lids, um, honey mustard, uh, little personal container things. Um, so we're putting those in the stands, make sure they're ready to go. Uh, about an hour before, if we start getting a bunch of radio calls asking for different items, then you know your day probably was a little bit more of a failure than a success, because now, now you're scrambling. Um, and if we do our job during the day, our employees will succeed as well. If we don't, we're gonna put them in a scramble, because all, mostly what they know is their stand and what they're doing that stand. They don't, a lot of them don't know what goes on during the day, because they're not here. When, we, when they get here, their focus is, whether that be a cashier or being a cook, they just know to cook. They don't know why they don't have the proper number of hamburger cases, they just know that there's not enough there. So now how can I get those? So then their brain starts scattering. So if we're successful during the day, our employees are successful. I think that translates to many industries. Um, and sometimes we, as managers, forget that as well. We forget that, like, really, we're there to support and prepare and, you know, have kind of assist some of that foundation so that our staff have the tools to go out and do the jobs yeah, that they need to do. Our decisions have pretty big impacts, whether we know it or not. If we make a selfish decision, we may not always realize how many people we're affecting. And that's kind of true to life as well. You make a decision and you don't know who all is going to be affected. So it's always important to make sure that we're cognizant of our actions and why we made these actions and make sure that our actions are going to be beneficial to everybody down the line. Without the community, there's no Mudcats. I mean, our communities are fan base. So we want to make sure we're reaching out to them and giving them what they're giving us, reciprocating their, their I mean, they're putting their hard-earned money into us when they come out here. Um, uh, they're bringing their families, and we want to make sure that we're supporting them as well, making sure um, whether it be we show up to a Miracle League or we show up to a Habitat for Humanity or a Meals on Wheels, to make sure that we're giving back to them because they've given us 
20 plus years of fandom to keep us around in Zebulon, North Carolina. So do you all do you all do Meals on Wheels and Habitat for Humanity? Uh, this year we've done Meals on Wheels. Uh, usually every year we'll have the Miracle League out, Miracle League of the Triangle, I believe, and they'll come out and have a little baseball game on the field with the players. Um, Meals on Wheels is more done by our front office staff. Is it just staff from Mud Mudcats, though? They do some volunteering with yes. Habitat for we Humanity? Do, uh, we have different sign-up sheets in the office, whether that is to show up to the Wilson Expo or different events throughout the community. Meals on Wheels is something we've been at as a front office staff this this winter. Yeah. What does, tell me about, I, I'm kind of interested in Miracle League. If you ever get the chance to go to a Miracle League Go, it's one of the more rewarding experiences you'll ever probably have, at least for me personally. Um, you get there, you get assigned a buddy, they're called, and, they, and it's a seven-inning baseball game. Um, if I remember correctly, each batter gets to hit each inning. So they hit the ball, and then depending on their disability or their uh, skill level, um, you have to do different various jobs. I had a buddy who was very fast <laughs> one time, so trying to keep up with him was tough. Um, there's some that can hit the ball really hard. There's some that can't. There's some in wheelchairs who you push around, and then there's some who don't talk as well. But they're, one thing that they all are is happy. They're all super excited to be out there, and it's, it's so rewarding. If you get the chance, just go once. Um, I think you can just sign up on the website, and if you have any people, people that y'all are working with that would like to do it, definitely take them, because it's great. How long has, have the Mudcats been in Zebulon? Um, we moved to Zebulon from, I believe, Columbus, Georgia in 1992. Um, maybe a year or two off from there. But we've been here a long time. Um, the stadium that you're looking at itself kind of came around 2000, 2001, 2002. Before that, it was just bleachers and red trailers as concession stands. Since I've been here, it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. I've, I've met a lot of people. I've met a lot of good people um, who have benefited me in my personal career enormously. So Mudcats means a lot to me. How do you guys deal with that when you guys are hiring in new college kids and you have these people with disabilities? How are, are you teaching them to handle the person with disabilities differently or the same or? I guess not teaching people how to interact with different people. We want, I guess, people to be themselves. Um, if they're not interacting in a positive way with different groups of people, we'll transition them out. Um, but we, we don't necessarily do any training on how to manage different personalities. We try to make sure we're hiring people that we have a gut feeling and feel strong we'll be able to handle these people and um, that are working with us. And if they're not, we'll make necessary changes. I like to separate between being a boss and a friend, for example. So I don't want to necessarily develop friendships per se with our staff, but I want them to. I want to be approachable. I want them to feel comfortable coming to me and talking to me. Um, kids with disabilities, I tend to, I guess, be a little bit easier on. Not too much because they have responsibilities and they have different things, but. Uh, I guess one example I have personally is this, I had one kid with a disability who was having a, just, he was just having a rough day. Um, so I just had, I said, hey, what's going on? Like, are you all right? And I brought him out back so I wasn't doing it in front of people. And he just kind of broke down crying. 
and so now it's in the, oh, did I do something? Um, I, I didn't think that was being me. I was just trying to, I asked him to go bring something to the location. He told me no. So I said, um, basically I just said, well, for one, you can't tell me no, I'm the boss. And then, are you doing all right? Is everything okay? Is there something I can help you with? And he just started crying. And he didn't tell me why, but I said, hey, don't worry about it. We're, we're fine. Um, let's just go, let's just go to work. Just kind of do what you're told and we'll be fine. I, all, I, all I needed for you is take these pretzels to a location. And once he realized I wasn't mad at him, I was just trying to figure out what was going on in his headspace. Things got a little bit better for him. A manager that sees potential and not limitations is mm -hmm. really critical. Yeah. It, you know, we were just at a hotel yesterday that we'll start another training program at in May, and the manager was really like, he could just see so much potential. He was like, and if you have somebody here that's interested in this and we feel like they can do it, we can try them at front desk. If you, I mean, he was really just, he saw the potential instead of just restricting individuals, you know, just rest, just restricting them to certain positions. I mean, they, they promote growth. So just like you or I might start in one position, most of us don't want to stay in that position for the rest of our lives. Some people do, and that's fine. But even the individuals that we work with, some of them may want to stay in that position for the rest of their lives, but others may want to grow and learn and try new tasks. And so a manager that can see that and that can kind of foster that when people are ready. You know, they notice that when, when John's ready, he's, he's learned this already, he's expressing interest, he's mastered these skills. Um, then we start to talk about adding on new skills or trying out new, different positions. Yeah, I've noticed with a lot of our kids with disabilities, we try to make them more uh, runners. What I've noticed is it puts them in the best possible situation to be successful with us. We've had kids that don't really handle crowds too well. Um, the kitchen is good because it lets them get some interaction with the public when they're taking things to different locations. But um, when we start putting them as a cashier, especially on busy nights, they'll kind of start getting a little bit of anxiety. I guess what we're always trying to do is build their confidence around the public, but as well as also trying to be make be beneficial to them. Sounds like you work with their strengths. And that's that's what I try. I, that's what I try to do. Um, I don't want to even people without disabilities. A lot of so a lot of, a lot of people have some sort of social anxiety, so we're not going to put those people at a cash register talking. We'll put them in a stand, but they'll be more of a runner in the stand. So what that means is the cashier will take the order and say, "Hey, I need chicken tenders." That runner will go get the chicken tenders, and bring it to them. Uh, the best we can do is put every single employee we have in a position to be successful, to the point where they're not suffering from anxiety. We just always want people to be successful with us and have fun being successful. I don't think being successful and not having fun is very successful at all. Josh, thank you so much for this conversation today with Amy and I. We really appreciate your support of the individuals that we work with and your willingness to treat people as people and recognize strengths. And we really appreciate your willingness again to participate in this podcast today. Thank y'all for having me. It was a big learning experience for me and it, it, it was uh, more beneficial than not for sure.
Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Experience. If you like what you hear, please support our work. Rate us on iTunes, share us with a friend, and donate to the project at go.ncsu.edu forward slash give to PJ. DNE is a project of the Philanthropy Journal. Our managing editor is Sandy Sear. Our graduate editor is Kristen Gallahue, and our graduate assistant editor is Preston Whitworth. This episode was produced by Amarachi and Akaronye. Amarachi is the host and executive producer of the Fragmented Whole podcast. To learn more, visit amarachia.com. That's A-M-A-R-A-C-H-I-A.com. Our theme music is an original score by David Mueller. For more information on this and other episodes, visit us at www.philanthropyjournal.org. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Nonprofit Experience and subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play.